Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Story of America and, and our Growing in Christ with Jay series. Uh, to, this is lesson four, I think, lesson four or five, one of the two. Uh, let me see which lesson which lesson is this one. Yeah, this lesson, lesson five. five on top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lesson five. And uh, we've got a lot. Hey, Jay, turn your mic down just a little bit. Yours is particularly loud today. Oh, man. Okay. Tell me how checking one, two, checking one, two, three. How's that still, going? It's still a little bit too loud. Try still a little try, bit too loud. Try lowering how, it in your Zoom settings. Oh, my Zoom settings. Let's see where we got this. Because I'm lowering it from so, my actual. No, lower it uh, in your Zoom settings. If in you, if you want to lower it in your Zoom settings, uh, let, let me let me stop sharing real quick. Um, lower to lower it in your Zoom settings. You see your little microphone down there. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna click audio the settings. arrow. Yeah, and go to audio settings and just adjust your microphone. Your uh, and just pull it down just a little bit. Output, right? The output, the output, check in, check in, output. Yeah, output. the output. Yeah, the output. You go to audio settings, you should be under microphone and just just pull it down yeah. just a little bit. Okay. Actually, I think it's gonna be the input because the output is wherever I am listening to. Yeah, you're you're gonna be do the input, input. Oh wow, it's not well. What is happening here? Do you? I mean, I, I see, I see the dragon drop on the little circle, um, but it's not letting me. Yeah, click the click the automatic checkbox button that's underneath it. Mm -hmm. And once you click Sorry. that button, uh, you'll be able to uh, to adjust the volume manually. Okay. How about now? How about now? How, how's that that's be, that's better much better okay 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 all right so here we are with lesson five of uh our nice little Wait, series did, did we got you start here. recording again oh i never stopped it okay yeah we can leave those types of bloopers and people understand when we have technical issues uh so before we get into this lesson, uh, I mean, let's just talk about this this uh, subtopic, Jesus was just temptation. This is perhaps the single greatest hazard for a Christian, for really for anybody, but very much for a Christian, is temptation. And how we resist temptation, because you know, temptation gets us into a lot of trouble. Especially those of us 
who uh, have not learned how to remove ourselves from tempting uh, propositions. Mm -hmm. So before we start the lesson, I want to know, Jay, uh, temptation is obviously your greatest, uh, your greatest uh, weakness. And what have you been doing to uh, combat your temptation? Well, I mean, I've seen that through my temptations to me falling down, it's always, a, a, you know, me trying to come back and me, you know, making sure I hang on to Jesus Christ, you know, just like Jacob did whenever he wrestled with the angel, uh, which was, you know, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ and what I believe. But, um, you know, it's always a lesson. And uh, yeah, I do drop, I do fall away, but it's always lessons. I've learned to just take it as what it is because, you know, I don't have control of that. I mean, I do have control of it because I've been crucified with Jesus Christ now and he gives me the, the power to uh, refuse the body and the lust of the body and the chains of the sins of, you know, this body and its, its lust are broken. So I should be able to, but uh, a lot of times I see it. I mean, I don't want to say I just indulge in it and I just freely go about it, but I see how the more I fall down, it's, 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 um, it's always a lesson. And I know God, God's going to still use it for, for, whatever he wants to teach me because i mean it's, it's always going to be there you know not until we are truly made new in our new body and that he's going to give us once he comes back but you know I, I was, i've been listening to uh pre pre what is it called it's called a pre-selection or you know god called us basically out of our sin uh, apparently what i've been listening to lately was that if god never called us we would never ever have the opportunity to break away from this sin. It's so, it's that strong in us. And if it wasn't for God calling us and giving us the heart to want to break away, I just don't think it would actually happen is what I'm, is what I'm listening to. And I think it's pretty true. Cause you know, even now that I'm a Christian and reborn and everything, it's still pretty hard sometimes, you know, it's just giving into some of those that wanted to have a fun time especially for me when I, I, I like to drink. And I mean, I, I'm pretty harsh about drinking because I mean, I've seen how much it can destroy my life. And um, so, yeah. Well, you know, that temptation will never go away. Uh, I, I am tempted every day, oh, especially, especially the, the things that people don't see is what ticket is what is my greatest temptation. See my mind as is my greatest temptation uh you know you have no idea how tempting it is to want to commit violence all day against some against some people uh but i don't uh i uh i i have to resist that it, even even when i was when, even when i was professional fighter uh there have been times where Oh man, I miss going to the dojo just because oh, I would get my blood boiling just to go have a fight. And hell, we mm. beat the we beat the hell out of each other. I remember we, I, I remember the first the first time me and my good buddy RL uh, got got into a nice brawl at the school because we we founded the martial arts club at the, at the college. 
And so um, we would start dueling each other in the dormitory. And man, we beat the holy hell out of each other so bad that we had to alter the rules where we could only do boxing with gloves, no grapples, no kicks, no, uh, no joint locks. And so we had to have our gloves on. We didn't have to wear our headpiece unless you wanted to. But the first night that we did it, we, we said, okay, we're, we're both martial artists. We're both professionals. We know, well, we know when it's going to kill one of us and we know when to pull up. And heck, he went to, he went to class the next day uh, with a limp. And I was off from class that day. So I had to, so I got to stay at my locker. Uh, not my locker, uh, my my uh, dorm, and nurse my wounds that way because I was able to just sit in there uh, with my bruised arm because we beat the hell out of each other. And so, I mean, I, I, don't you think that's kind of healthy though? I mean, you kind of need to do that. I mean, there, there's there's certain outlets that you have to do. You can't always. It, it is, but it is healthy. But what I mean by it is, is I every time that I get to some type of com- conflict with somebody. I want that thrill of battle, the thrill of the fight. That's just, that's the temptation that I have to avoid. It's not the only temptation that I have to avoid, but it's the only one that I'm going to share uh, at this particular moment in time. But I mean, my goodness, could you imagine if instead of, uh, resisting that temptation, I might wind up like my like like my sensei, Sensei Carmen. Uh, he, like me, you, he's like eighty something now. But in his, in his younger days, he loved to fight. He would go around just starting fights just for the sake of starting fights. And <laughs> he he started a fight with this one guy in an alley uh, one night, and he got him under the under the nose, and he went to flip him over but the guy instead of you know talk, uh flipping along with him the guy jerked back and so since they carmen's got this here and all he sees is blood so he's got the guy's nose and this on his fingers over here and the guy's way over there it ripped the guy's nose off and ever, and ever since then since they carmen says he would not uh do fighting anymore like that and so could you imagine if if my response was to do the same thing that Sensei Carmen was doing way back in the day, just going around starting fights with people, how much trouble I'd wind up in. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's what sin does. You know, even though uh, it's it's uh, something that we want to do deep down inside, we, we have that restraint now. And we, we have the knowledge and we have the wisdom now to actually understand the problems it can bring. I mean, yeah, it is. It is one of those things that you just, you have to be mindful of what your weaknesses are because your weaknesses are always controlled by temptation. And you have to be mindful of those weaknesses because if you know your weaknesses, remember uh, last week when we did this uh, show, I was telling you about uh, a piece that I wrote some time ago and I was saying uh, about the problem that we have and a lot of the things, the lack of faith is people have forgotten who they are. And one of the biggest parts about forgetting who you are is not knowing yourself well enough to know what you're weak at. 
And if you want to be successful, if you want to advance in anything that you do, your relationship with God, your job, your relationship with your partners, uh, your relationship with your friends, financial, you need to identify and be willing to admit to yourself and to others the area in which you are weakest and make it your goal to amend that to where it is no longer a weakness, but a benefit. You know, that sounds actually pretty good. You know, to be honest, I mean, that makes a lot more sense when you say, uh, if you know who you, do you know who you are? And understanding our weaknesses is actually a good way to know who we are. That's a, that's pretty good, man. Cause I mean, I've, I've still struggled with that. Cause I know I've tried to pick up my new, my new identity with Christ, but that's a pretty good way of knowing who you are is knowing your weaknesses. Uh, that's pretty good. Okay. Of course it's pretty good. I said it. <laughs> hey, okay. Okay. Now you, know, now you okay. need to know how to humble, man. I'm just kidding. You know, Jay, I'm a man of dichotomy and the, the what I what I mean by by that when I say I'm a man of dichotomy uh, is that when when it comes to me I am extremely humble and extremely prideful at the same time and Depending on the day that I wake up and the mood that I'm in, it depends. It might depend on whether or not I am full of pride that day. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have to be able to exercise a balance between the two of those. I'm very humble. And my greatest weakness is, in fact, my humility and my uh, my patience of oh, you, if you, you probably, yeah, no, no, that's true. especially, especially when it comes to, you know, discussing with other people, uh, you know, you, you kind of don't even mess with the people that don't even want to actually have a conversation. You just kind of just let them do their own dumb thing. And cause you know, I mean, why exert yourself, especially in a conversation when somebody doesn't really offer anything no more, they're just kind of just going at it for, for just no reason at all. Like angry. You do restrain yourself when it comes with uh, debates and conversation. Well, what I mean by it is, is I mean you will probably never meet a you you will probably never meet a guy that is as patient as I am. I mean, and, or as forgiving as I am. Uh, unfortunately, that's another weakness of mine is that I I forgive too too much. I mean, look, I mean, you, you're still sticking around me after four five years of seeing how crazy I've gotten, especially towards you. I mean, there, you know, I've had, I've gone crazy on you multiple times, and yeah, that's because you, know, you, I you still are. You still you still have some faith in me, I guess. <laughs> that's because I purposely antagonize you because I know how to push your buttons. Uh, 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 that's true, man. You really I get do. I get fun out of it. It's pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But what I mean is, uh, you know. I, people come to me, particularly for my family, uh, certain certain friends, they come to me and they do so much wrong to me. And over and over again, I forgive. Don't forget, but forgive. I give too many chances. Now, if it's about money, uh, usually I don't give that many chances. But 
I, I'm the type of person I give way too many chances. I, I turn the other cheek so often. And I mean, have you, I mean, have you ever really seen me get upset? It takes a long time. I mean, you have to really be wearing down, wearing me down for me to lose my patience to the point that I actually get pissed off. I've seen it about two, two or three times, I'd say. Uh, getting pissed off in the game isn't really me getting pissed no, off. No, That's no. Just... I mean, I've seen, I've seen you when once that one time you were attacked by um, somebody. I mean, I, I don't know if you want me to say too much about that, but you know, you were attacked and you know left, or even whenever the government was uh, going for you in certain ways. I left what? Uh, whenever you getting your uh, diminished stuff, your paycheck diminished. Oh yeah. Oh that. I mean, that was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was pissed, <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't angry. I mean, I was angry, but I, I mean, I'm angry because you're fucking with my money. But what I mean by <laughs> that is like, I'm talking about pissed off to the point where I'm ready to fucking kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of crazy. You know, that's, that's the beautiful thing about Christianity too. You know, we learn how to forgive and we learn how to, you know, have patience with other people because we know how, you know humanity is what why do you think there's such a why do you think on social media especially there's just so many people loving to post how i I really the one i hate the most is like oh if they're your family or if they're your mom if it's your mom if they have some kind of toxic or if they're you know just bothering you you just have to just leave them i mean i i feel like to me it's, it's they're really winning with the whole you know, destroying the family and everything like that. If it's just so easy to let go of people like that, I mean. Well, I think because this, this this is the fact. The facts are, you can forgive somebody and not allow, and also not allow them to influence your life or be a part of it. Mm. It is perfectly natural to forgive somebody and then distance yourself from them. In fact, in fact, uh, the Bible encourages that. It encourages us that you distance yourself from people that would bring you down in your relationship with Christ and your and your progression forward. And this is not this is uh, no better than in the world of business. You know, I can forgive you all day long, but the fact of the matter is, is if you're screwing me when it comes to making money, I'm going to I can forgive you, but I got to let you go. Or I have to give you a responsibility that's not going to inf- to impact the amount of money that I can make in business. So, yeah, you can do that. Now, a lot of these people on Facebook and social media, they're doing it just for the attention. But, I mean, there is merit to it. You, you, you have to be able to know when to distance yourself from people. Because if you don't, you'll become drained that's one of that's that's the same thought about about being so meek that you allow people to run over you Mm -hmm. and if you get to that point you'll become drained and when you become drained you become filled with self-doubt and doubt more uh, specifically in your relationship with god as to whether or not god is uh, allowing this to happen as a form of punishment for you as opposed to God's not allowing it to happen. You are allowing it to happen because he already told you what to do. He offered you several avenues out of it, but you just, but you're so meek. You're so kind that you continue to allow it to happen over and over again. 
Pretty good. That's pretty true. Now let me share the screen here. And all right. So we're going to do the new revised standard version on the right side of the screen. And the first bit of scriptures that we got to read today are going to be Matthew chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But before we do, I am going to read this part as I normally do, which is the lesson setting and exposition. So let me read that because I think it's always important to know the context around the scripture. That's what the lesson setting sets up. So Satan appears in both the Old Testament and the New Testaments. Uh, perhaps his best known appearance in the Old Testament is in the book of Job. There we see him primarily as an accuser rather than a tempter. In the Old Testament as a whole, however, he does not appear as distinct as a distinctly demonic being. But in the New Testament, the situation is different. There he appears 32 times as the devil who is the enemy of God. In the wilderness, when he tried to tempt Jesus, he attacked him on three basic levels. The physical need, example, his need for food. Two, the mental need, example, playing tricks to get him to test God. And three, the spiritual level, example, trying to destroy Jesus' allegiance to God. Satan will try to use the same tricks on us today. And here's the exposition. Some people want to succeed at any cost. Christians, however, must be very careful with respect to what they will do to obtain success. We cannot lie, cheat, and steal, and then expect God to bless us in our endeavors. Booker T. Washington is reported to have said, success is to be measured not so much by the position one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. Our duty is to avoid the temptation of the devil as he seeks to achieve mastery over our lives. We must learn to lean on Jesus Christ to overcome any barriers the world may present us. We must never tempt God by succumbing to the vials of the devil, to the wiles of the devil. And we're going to talk about those things in a little bit. But before then, let's go ahead and start off with these scriptures here. So uh, the first section of scriptures uh, that we that we get to read here are Matthew chapter four. Uh, no, not Matthew. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses 13 through 16. Go ahead and read this part right there. Okay, this is new revised standard uh, version. Uh, 13 through 16, right? Okay. So the Lord your God you shall fear him you shall serve and by his name alone you shall swear is that reading swear yeah uh, do not follow other gods any of those gods of the peoples who are all around you because the lord your god who is present with you is a jealous god the anger of the lord your god will be kindled against you and he would destroy you from the face of the earth do not put the lord your god to the test as you tested him at Messiah, at Massa. 
Well, you see, there's there's that, you know, I've, I've told people, man, God is a jealous God. And I thank you. I know where it's at. Because people don't want to believe me on that. They're like, no, God can't be a jealous God. Uh, that's like a sinful, like they give us a sin, but you got to, you know, people don't understand that God is all holy, all good. Uh, but how would you explain um, when people say, you know, jealous is like basically a sin? Well, being jealous is not necessarily a sin. Uh, this is the difference that people see when in the Catholic, in the Catholic teaching, uh, we are taught of the seven deadly sins, one of them being envy. Now, envy is very similar to jealousy, so they often get conflated with one another. But what it means to be envious of somebody is actually more analogous to being cov covetous. The Bible teaches in the commandments, thou shalt not covet after one's uh, after one's neighbor's wife. But what it, what it means to covet is thou shall not want something that does not belong to you. And it doesn't mean it in that way. It means that you shall not want to go get somebody's stuff and take it as your own. So envy is basically that. As a matter of fact, I think this is a, a nice opportunity for us to go ahead and pull it out early. You know how I love to use these dictionaries. Yes, I was actually going to ask you to do that, you know. But, you know, it pays out. I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to want to. Because it, it, it really helps you know what these words actually mean. At the same time, yeah, I, mean, I, you... I remember I was telling one of my one of my co-workers that, you know, I was like, yeah, because you know, I was like, yeah, God's a jealous God. And it's particularly because of the Old Testament, how, you know, the the Israelites would worship the golden calf. And how he, you know, basically came down to smite them, uh, and he did that too with the Israelites. And after, you know, I think the Book of Isaiah, he actually divorced Israel because of their idolatry to uh, to other, you know, religions. God don't take God's never been easy on on the Israelites. Thank God we live in the time of grace, but still, he doesn't like it, you know. At the same time that I'm going to pull up this definition, I want you to I want you to read in the gray box there, tempted. The Greek word is terrazzo. Matthew 4, 1. This Greek verb means to examine, test, or scrutinize, as it is used in Matthew 4, 1. It refers to Satan's testing or putting Jesus on trial in a, host, in a hostile manner so as to test his loyalty to the father and to his mission yes you know yeah that's that's true because i mean I, even even when I, I was thinking about sin you know the devil i mean yeah the devil does to uh make you know lie to us tells us how god's not real and that he's not you know not real either but also the devil still tempts us even when we're christians and by these you know sins and like especially me these sins whenever i uh, go into my little, you know, phases of, you know, falling into sin of, you know, drinking and stuff like that. It does hardly, you know, mess up my mission of doing these, you know, recordings of being ready or even filling up to it or even the way I even see myself in the mission, you know. So, you know, the devil's still here for, uh, for us. 
but he's just messing up our mission. Not so much of lying to us if God's not real. Cause you know, you can't tell me that God's not real or you can't even mess with my faith anymore. I mean, that's gotten so stuck into me. There's just no way you can take away my faith or anything like that. I mean, but now it's just messing up my mission, my mission. You know, that's really, really the skin in the game. So here's the definition of envy. I want you to listen very carefully to some of these keywords. And before I tell you what the keywords are, I want you to read back to me what you think the keywords were in the definition. So envy has a few definitions. Um, being discontent or ill will at another's good fortune because one wishes it had been his. Dislike for a person who has what one wants. The object or of such feeling, person who is envied. The obsolete version says malice, ill will, or ill repute. To begrudge. And then here, synonym, this is why I say that the, the synonym is covet rather than jealousy because here is the synonym envy covet mean to feel discontent about the good fortune of others envy implies resentment jealousy or even hatred directed towards them covet implies a craving for the good fortune that is rightfully theirs all right so go ahead Basically, it's just wanting what others have, you know, not not say, basically saying, you know, God's not blessing me their way. Uh, one way we can see this is um, in, the, in the story of the particle son, whenever the particle son comes back, his brothers, they're telling, telling his father, why are you getting the fattened calf if I've been here this whole time? Why are you giving him the ring? Why are you doing all this if I have never turned my back on you? And, you know, a lot of us do get like that, um, you know, especially, you know, when we see non-Christians just having the time, I mean, having the best job, having everything, having the family, having the house, you know, we are left a lot of times to say, well, God, why haven't you blessed me this way? This guy's not even a believer or, or even, you know, you know, even how the Pharisees were, you know, all about, you know, their blessings and their, their goods and what they get and having the high places. And then yet, saying everybody else is not worthy of what they're getting. So, you know, it can go two ways, you know. I'd say, like, we should we should be content, but that envy, that wanting, it's, it's like dissatisfaction. It's, it's like we're saying we're not satisfied. We're not happy with what you've done with my life or what you've given me. It's just, I don't think it's, I think it's just, a, you know, telling God I'm not happy with what you have doing for me, what you're doing for me or anything like that. Uh, and then the, and the way in the Pharisees, you just feel like you're entitled but you're not. Nobody's entitled to anything. We, we are sinful. All of us are, have fallen short. And I think we should just learn how to be grateful. I mean, that's one of the biggest things and in, in, in getting the peace of mind from God is being content, being grateful, and just saying, thank you, God, that you even gave me the opportunity to keep on continuing with uh, with my life and that's because it's all borrowed time. Well, you know, that is very much true. But I wanted to focus on 
the idea that it is ill will or malice, discontent. Yeah, but I mean, who, who, how, how are you not going to be like that? Like whenever you somebody gets jealous or not jealous, but like uh, envious of somebody else's stuff, like a wife or, or house. I mean, yeah, you're not. I mean, I'm t- there's anger behind it, you know, like there's anger behind it. But here's the here. Here's here's where here's where the sin comes in. It's not a sin to get angry about it. What's sinful about it is when you act upon that envy, when you act upon that covetousness. You see, covet is to say that you think that what they have should rightfully belong to you. And if you're envious and you move into the step where you're getting ready to covet something that doesn't belong to you, and you go in to take that, you see, when G, when when God delivers the the Hebrew people out of Egypt, and before they begin to start worshiping Baal and making those uh, bronze statues, uh, they look at these other people and they're saying, "Well, they they they've got it good. They got a good life over there." So they've become envious, and they coveted the rewards that this other sect of people had and they went in there and they took what wasn't theirs, which was they took the God of those people and erected uh, statues of worship for those. So yeah, that pissed God off. You know, it's like all this that I've done for you and I've given you these commandments, which you asked for, because, you know, originally there weren't any commandments. But the the Israel the Israel uh, the Israelites the Hebrew people uh, demanded that God give them some rules to follow, and then He goes and He gives them rules to follow, and they say it's too hard. And then, of course, that's when you have Moses throwing down the tablets and breaking the tablets and being cursed to never be able to see the promised land because he broke the tablets, uh, which were the word of God. But I mean, that's that's sort of where all that comes from. And the first part of temptation comes from an overwhelming degree of envy. And see what you read in this box. Hostile manner. That that envy, that hostility, that man. I'm so sick and tired of all these billionaires because they got all the money and I don't have anything and I want what they got and I'm going to get what they got and I don't care how I get it. That's and you, like- that that's where that temptation starts to come in. Now you can have the same, the same uh, jealousy without being envious, but you know, we, we don't call that, envy what we call that is admiration which is also which can also become a sin because admiration can very easily turn into envy or idolizing yes um you know you know that, that's kind of funny because i mean I, that's these uh socialists you know always saying oh you know what man these people are so greedy with their money they're so rich they don't you know but they they're the actual ones that are actually the envious ones or, or I think it was, I think one of the uh, socialist teachings say that the beginning of stealing and robbing comes from poverty, 
Well, you see, there's a wrong way to go about it. You can either build yourself up or you can just take, take without, you know, that's, that, that, that's not rightfully yours. You can either get up and work and do it the right way that, that, you know, not so much envy, but uh, more of wanting what they want, but without the envy part, I guess, without the hostility makes you want to, you know, work harder and want, want you to get up and do something good for yourself. But if it's just pure envy, you're going to go to just wanting to take or eat the rich, you know, basically these chants, you know, these, this, that's, a, that's, that's what's happening to a lot of these people nowadays. You know, I've been called a lot of things, a lot of names I've been called, been called Uncle Tom, race trader, I've, mm. been, I've been called uh, every name in the book, but the, the most interesting name that I've been called, and I think, I think, this is a this is a record for me. This is something new. I didn't think that anybody could ever surprise me with a name. I was called a class trader, uh, and I suppose what that means is is that because I have learned of the systems, I seen what the wealthy were doing in order to make money, and I learned from it and and, and used it myself to make money. And to not not so much to make money, but to have security in a un in a uh, uh, in an unsure financial situation. But my financial stability is all over the place. But I have security in my investments, and I was called a class trader by somebody. He says, "Well, yeah, you you're using." The, you're using what the rich are doing, even though you yourself are part of the are part of the poor, and you're a class trader. And I'm sitting there like, do you not do you not hear yourself? You're envious of me for doing what you could have done on your own, and rather than rubbing it in somebody's face, all I'm trying to say is that hell. If I could do it, you could do it because I learned about it the same way anybody else could learn about it. Uh, well, you know, God pretty much introduced it to me. You know, if it sort of fell into my lap almost literally. As a matter of fact, I fell into their Uber vehicle. And that's how I got started into in the business. But what I what I learned was all of the information is readily available and it's free. Go to the public library. Use your cell phone, go to get on Google. All the information is there. It's free. And people oh, yeah. are people sit there and they call me all this and that. And I'm like, you know, I don't make a lot of money. I I did, you know, when I was working my job in sales. So uh but yeah, I don't make a lot of money. I don't have a whole lot of stuff. Even when I was making a lot of money, I didn't have a whole lot of stuff. You know, most most of the stuff that I have, like stuff in my bookshelves, I mean, yeah, I up, I update my bookshelf quite regularly because I like to buy new books. But most of the stuff that I have, my TV, my this desk that I have my computer on, you know, I got this desk in the year two thousand one, uh, and I've had the same desk since I was in the first grade. Oh man, and. My dresser, if if that dresser I got, I think it was around 2008, 
uh, we found it on at a house that we were just that we were demolishing well, with my grandfather-in-law Pablo and uh, Pablo used to just find all types of things interesting things the radio that I have in the living room is a 1930s trunk style radio Pablo found it on the side of the road and that radio is I still have it it's I got it in like 2007 2008 maybe a little bit earlier than that and this dresser I've had since then my older dresser my grandmother she sold it in half called uh to calling herself make making uh two mm-hmm. two in two different dressers mm-hmm. and we we had that for a little while but the mirror that i have on the wall over there is the mirror that goes to my first dresser set that this dresser over here that has my printer on it i've had that dresser since my grandmother and i well, I didn't. I I was five, so I didn't buy it. But since my since my grandmother bought her house when I was in kindergarten, that dresser. I had the same dresser since I was in kindergarten. That mirror over there, which I hardly ever used, since I was a, I'm a guy, we don't really use the mirror that much. Uh, that mirror have had since kindergarten. See, then there's, there's two different roads. If you're envious, you're just going to go despising everybody instead of just... Yeah, I, you, know, you know, I I'm, I sit there and I tell people, I'm like, look, I don't have a whole bunch of stuff. It looks like I have a bunch of stuff because... But the way you carry, the way you carry yourself is what really matters, to be honest. Yeah, the way I carry myself, some, yeah. Do I carry myself in a way that makes you come off as a prick sometimes? Absolutely. And I do it on purpose. <laughs> but... <laughs> No, but like with, with, without envy, you you know you build for what you have, and you're grateful for what you have. Um, yes. Would you? But so so. But what would, what would you say a jealousy is in the dictionary? Oh, let's take a look at the definition of jealousy. Let's see. Right here. Here we go. yeah because i mean the the whole reason why i'm bringing this up because i mean i'm seeing this more and more you know here in america you know they they make it i mean the only people that i see really actually being spiteful hateful is the left you know the left the democrats right now i mean i'm i'm joining this one group called occupied democrats but oh my gosh uh, this guy all he does is just push and push all of his powers okay. to just be so angry. Golly, okay, go ahead. So, uh, you know, this is interesting because I never would have associated jealousy with this with this word. But listen to the key words in this definition of jealousy and see the difference between jealousy and envy. Jealous, fearful that a person one, one loves may love someone else or prefer someone else full of envy or envious grudging resentful requiring complete loyalty or faithfulness now that one that has the example the lord thy god is a jealous god four watchful in keeping or guarding something careful five Close, 
watchful, suspicious. Like my dog <laughs> is very, my dog is very jealous. The dog, my dog doesn't even like to let, doesn't even like to let uh, the person that I stay with touch me. Oh, man. Um, Six. Apprehensive of evil. Fearful. Seven. To be doubtful. And then when you look at jealousy, it's the a jealous condition or feeling, a dislike or fear of rivals, envy, an instance of jealous feeling. So do you see that what yeah, I, what makes jealousy so different from envy? Yeah, I mean, the, the big difference is, you know, you're not wanting somebody else's things, but you're guarding, you're, t- you're protecting what is rightfully yours. You know, and all I could think about right there was, you know, Maybe I was right on my on some of my old relationships to say, you know what, I am jealous, and I and you know it's because you know I, I knew there were so many people after them, so I guess it was right. I mean, you know, to be jealous and stuff like this, but it's right again, to be jealous. Then again, one of my ex girlfriend, um, I had no jealousy because she didn't make me feel like somebody else could take her, or she didn't. Oh. I didn't feel like I had to guard her because she made me feel like I was good enough or and that well be see continued. this is this is how I've always thought I am I I have I am a jealous uh when I'm in a relationship I'm a jealous boyfriend but I'm not an involved jealous boyfriend not not at all you know yeah. I I sit back I watch I look I learn I listen but at the same time, I do not force anything. I don't get involved. I'm not going to defend unless you're getting attacked by somebody. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go and uh, for me anyway. I'm not going to go out and claim that you are mine uh, because of my jealousy. Because the way I figure it is in my in my mind, if you are mine. I should never have to prove to anybody. Exactly. So I I watch and my jealousy allows just just tells me to watch and be very careful of the person that I that I allow to enter into my into my circle. Because if you show me that you are not mine, then I'm done with you. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, have you ever gone to the point? I mean, I've said this uh, to some of my relationships. You know, I, I saw my jealousy as actually really wanting to protect what it was mine, to make sure that it was mine and nobody would take it. But also, I'd, uh, I would also be like, you know, well, why, why aren't you jealous? And I kind of wanted some, you know, well, the one I was the jealous one towards, I wanted her to be jealous back. Because, I mean, I, 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 for a way, that was like the only way I could know that she really, truly wanted me. Um. But, you know, jealousy, again, it's not a good thing. You know, you should really take care of your partners just like, you know, you should take care of uh, your relationship with God and not, you know, stray away from him because, you know, that jealousy can lead to, you know, just like he did to the Israelites, you know, leading to something kind of drastic. It leads to, en- it leads to envy. Jealousy leads to envy if you don't, if you're not jealous in the right way. 
there's a right way and a wrong way to be jealous. There's a right way and a wrong way to be prideful. There's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. Yeah, and you know, and when it comes to right and wrong, you know, there's there's not there's no bad God can do. You know, if He wants to take your life, He could take your life because He's giving you the life. And you know, I wouldn't even say that God did wrong when He opened up the ground to eat up the Israelites after worshiping the golden calf, or you know, you know, like that. I mean, God can do no wrong, even if He takes your life. And a lot of people don't even want to accept that that God takes people's lives away of course he does i mean he's the one that gives it nobody could take it but uh, but he could take it away and he'll still be a righteous god but so for let's us humans, say but for us humans i would say it's kind of uh that'd be really bad <laughs> you know because again that's not our life to it's, that's not our life to take away so well, that's a whole nother conversation for oh yeah a, for maybe not even part of this show maybe maybe a different uh, episode on a on a different part of my uh, story of America series, uh, but let's see. But let's take a look at this subtopic here. It says, "Lesson number one: Do not put God to test." The Israelites coming out of bondage of slavery in Egypt tested God at Masai, Exodus chapter seventeen, verses one through seven. For nothing more than a drink of water. They asked Moses, is the Lord among us or not? In other words, they wanted to test God to see if he was still really on their side. What did they what they did not realize is that God knows what his people need even before they ask him for it. And the same time, he desires that his people subject their personal will and desires to his will. Moreover, he continually teaches his people that they will that they must place their ultimate hope in him. This trains our hearts to love him above all else. He will not tolerate split loyalties on the part of his people because he is a very jealous God. He demands our total commitment and trust in him. When God through the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts, we learn how to trust him for everything. A child of God should not test the Heavenly Father. David F. Payne points out that testing God is a sign of a lack of faith and loss of love. It betrays the fact that a certain distance has crept into the relationship between man and God. If we love God, we will not question his intentions towards us and his demands of us. Abraham proved to God his love for him when God told him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Uh, God spared Isaac for Abraham. God's people must love, trust, and obey him. Consider the example of Job. At his lowest point in suffering, he could still he could still say, "Thou he slay, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him." A wholehearted committed commitment such as the one Job had showed, he had left no room in his heart for my for mind for idols. 
This should still apply for Christians today. Disciples of Jesus Christ must let the Lord direct them in the paths that he would have them travel. And this just go, goes back over what we were talking about. It's that God, not he, he's jealous in type three and four, which is he's, he expects your, your overwhelming commitment, your undivided attention and loyalty above all else. And number four is he is like my guard dog, suspiciously careful of everything that somebody brings into your life. And you know, that's the type of jealousy that you want from, from a being as powerful as God. You, you want that, him to be to be your to be your your watchdog. Yeah, you want him to be jealous, just like you, you know, I wanted my girl to be jealous. It shows that they care. But um, you know, that's exactly why I was, you know, I even started talking about relationships, is because this is a relationship. Uh God, we are God's bride, you know, and he, we're supposed to be love him. And it's and it's good that he, he's jealous because you know it shows that he cares and it shows that he's gonna he's willing to fight for us. But you see what I love so much about this uh, this lesson when it talks about what David F. Payne points out that uh, that testing God is a sign of a lack of faith and loss of love. Yes, I say that this is the same case even today. If you take God out of the picture and say there is no God, let's take Him out of the picture altogether. It is still the same thing when we when we have these people that are envious of others because you have lost or have a lack of faith and a lack of love in yourself and in the people around you. And, you know, if you don't have a God, then hell, it is very easy to fall into that because human beings will let you down, so, you know, every day constantly so it's real easy to lose faith and to lose love if you were to just count on humanity and just to count on yourself oh yeah that's why i compare uh um let, let me let me let me show you this jay i'm pretty sure you've seen this before but i want to i want to uh, i want to show you this because i have so many copies i i got so many books on this desk down here. But do, do you know what this is, Jay? Uh, I do not. You might put it closer. What is it? Uh, can't see it. You got to read it to me. This is The Diary of Anne Frank. I thought so, man. I mean, I saw Anne. You know, that, that's a powerful, it's powerful. That, Go ahead and say what you gotta say about that. The, the, the point about this that I would uh, talk about, and I mention this all the time when, when yes. it comes about when it comes to loss of faith, is Peter, who was in that uh, attic with the Anne Frank family for such a long period of time. Uh, Peter, out when they got separated in Auschwitz, was so. Uh, 
far gone. He had lost faith in not only in himself, but also in God, because he just felt like things were not going the way that they should have been. And what Anne Frank said to him is that you, even if you don't believe in God, you need to believe in something. You need to have faith in something. Otherwise, you're going to be one big ball of depression. And it will destroy you. And that is the case. Uh, the reason why I say what other reason is there? Or, or I won't say is there because there's a lot of reasons. But what other reason uh, do you need to believe in God? Other than the fact that you have somebody that is above the trivialities of humanity that can never let you down, that you can always place your faith in, that will always have have your back when nobody else will. Even your dogs will let you down because dogs, dogs are, they're instinctual. Somebody comes in and feeds them and treats them better than you treated them and your dog will turn on you. You try to snatch the bone away from your dog and it still has some meat on it. The dog will bite you. Even your animals will let you down. But God will never let you down. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He leaves that option completely up to you. Yeah, I mean, God is the only light because, you know, this start, this world is really extremely dark. You know, when I, when I came to my, my, my end, my end. It was whenever I just saw the world, the world was meaningless, you know, just a meaningless job I was at, the very first job I had. And just, you know, everybody just being so cruel to me and everybody just, I mean, I, I saw, I saw so much anger, but in the, in the kind of in the midst of it, when I said God, because I did leave God, but I still, you know, talked to him, just didn't have that faith that I didn't know who he was. I was like, God, let me just see the world through your eyes. And then I saw, I saw that you know, all these angry people are just sad people, hurt people. And we just, you know, even because I mean, we're all hurting. This is all dark. This, and we, we just don't know how to act towards each other. And we hurt each other really badly. But, you know, he showed me the light. I don't know. It was kind of weird. He just, I was like a blind light that night because I asked him to save me because, I mean, it was, it was just so dark. I felt so, I was so angry. I was so hurt. But, you know, there was that light. And then I just started chasing it nonstop after that, after he saved me. And it was, it was I guess, because it was just something better than this darkness that we live in. And, um, I mean, I just understood not to be angry at these people because we all, we're all hurting. Um, I don't, I don't, the, part of, the part about it is just, uh, you know, if we just rely on everybody else and in our own view of this world and not the view from God and his, and his holiness and his, and his perspective, it just looks bleak, meaningless, just just nasty, hopeless, sad, you know. And then you, and you, and then you see, and you see how what humanity is doing to each other—the all the killings of each other, you know, poisoning of each other. I mean, it's, it's pretty just wow. So I mean, we don't we don't know what's happening, but he does, and he he really knows that you know he really conquered death, and he has his kingdom coming for us and. That's the, that's, you know, that's the light, you know, that's the light that we have. Absolutely. Uh, the, the contrast between, uh, put it, put it this way. God 
when he enters into your into your into your life, or should I say, when you allow him to enter into your life, to work in your life, because he's always there. You just yes. have to let him come in. Uh, he brings hope into the sea of despair that you have been living in, and that's, that's exactly an amazing. That's exactly the words. That's an amazing uh, feeling, an amazing breakthrough. Let's move on. Uh, okay. Part two is called Overcoming Temptation. So go ahead and read uh, four through seven, Matthew uh, four through seven. You will, I'm going to flip the page once you finish with verse six, because uh, that's where number seven is on. But he answered, it is, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying no, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your uh, foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, right, the that's, devil... it. that's it. Okay. 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 So you do four through seven. And this is about overcoming temptation. So you see what the devil's saying to Jesus. He says, he's saying to Jesus, hey, why don't you throw, why don't you jump off the side of this mountain? If you be the son of God, like you said that you are, God will not allow you to die that way because it's not written. And the angels, he will command to stop you from falling so that even your foot will not touch the ground and, and uh, scrape a stone. The, the, I mean, the brazen way that the devil would try to tempt the Lord what makes you think that he doesn't have the power to tempt you? <clears throat> I mean, that's kind of hard. It's, that, that's, I don't know what it is, but it's kind of weird to think about that. I mean, the only thought that comes to my mind is I could have ended it that night. But, you know, it's not, it's not good. You know, it's, it's a good thing I trusted in him instead. And you know, not really jump, so so to speak, because you know I I always talked about when when I first started preaching on five v five was I was always on the edge and I could always jump. I mean, not to be narcissistic, make it about me. It's just I'm trying to put myself into understanding wild this, and you know it's it's kind of crazy, but and a, a weird fact is that even Muhammad was the one that actually jumped three times a think and he was saved by the so-called archangel michael so you know it's it's a good thing we don't jump you know um i don't know i really don't know uh, what to really think about this those are the only things i have when i'm looking at myself and then looking at the false prophet but you know not testing god uh i don't know what, you, what, what can you what can you tell me to make me understand a little bit more it's not about a test jay it's about how do you overcome this temptation of the devil? To just end it? His, <laughs> how, how, I mean, how do you overcome that? 
The devil comes to you and he whispers into your head that you are nobody. You're nothing. Exactly. Everybody, everybody that you loved, they have died and they have left you because they didn't want to be around you. And the devil comes in and he, and he whispers that into your ear, makes you feel lowered and low, especially now that you've drank a few, you're starting to feel yourself. And your emotions are going through the through uh, a tornado as they are when you drink. Mm -hmm. And the devil comes in and he whispers into you those doubts of self. Or I mean, dude, or, I, I the, de or the de yeah. or the devil or the devil does this, or he comes in and he does this to you. You're starting to feel yourself real good as a nice Christian, right? And you believe that the Lord is always there with you. And so the devil comes and he says to you, you're a son of God. Why don't you go out there and raise your hands up and part this city and allow them to worship you as a son of God, knowing that if you did that, that will be placing yourself above God, making people worship you. But the, devil, but the devil says to you, hey, you are a son of God. Why can't you use some of that godly power and raise, a, raise an entire nation of your own to worship you? Or the devil comes in, or the devil comes in and he says that, that that the Lord said that if you asked him of if you asked anything and you believed in your heart that it would be so so you wish that you believe you can fly so why don't you go ahead and jump off the building and fly because you are a son of God and God said that anything that you wish for that you ask in his name it shall be done you see, if if, it, if that was if that's uh, what he's telling Jesus, I mean, that kind of does happen, you know. And when he feeds the five thousand, they go up to worship him. They go up there to make him their king, and he's like, "This is not the way." And he has to retreat from them because they're not they're not doing it for the right reason. They're they're just doing it because uh, basically he can just meet all their needs and just be a genie right there, or you know, just making them say like, you know, basically how the Antichrist is going to come and do all these miracles and so and make everybody worshiping him as God, but it's not for the right reasons. The right reasons why we worship Jesus Christ is because he offered himself for us to redeem us and to save us from ourselves. So there's like different reasons. Some people try to worship him because they can meet his, they, he can meet their needs of, you know, feeding them and, or stuff like that, or, or, you know, how the Jews would want it uh, to him be the conqueror like David and just be like, you know, it would, it would be all for the wrong reasons. So, you know, I guess they just didn't understand. And, you know, thank God we have the all the scriptures, unlike them. But, you know, there's a lot of people that would worship for all the wrong reasons. That's, that's, for, that's for sure. Absolutely. And see, that's, that's the power that Satan has. But how do you overcome that temptation what do you do jay to overcome that temptation when satan comes whispering in your ear what do you do well 
Yeah, I don't hear his voice like I used to. I mean, I used to be on the edge and stuff like that. But I get, I got, God gave me so much, you know, peace in my mind and peace in heart that I'm not willing to say, you know, nobody loves me, that, you know, God doesn't love me or that, you know, I've, and then, and then and even more, I've come to learn my, to love myself. So I'm not going to just jump or I'm not going to just go out and just, you know, be some fake Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of them like that Russian Jesus Christ or, you know, Rashbuti. I don't forget that guy's name, but I'm, you know, that'd be just to be getting worshiped. That's, that's, I don't want to be worshiped and I don't want to, you know, end myself. Cause I mean, I have love for myself. I know, and I know God loves me and I have worth now. So that, I mean, the only way I can actually overcome it is by sticking to what God has shown me through these years and, and, you know, just sticking really close to Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, when I do these uh, crazy things in 5v5 chat, when I am drinking and I'm looking for that little, you know, despair again, because, you know, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain place when I go back to those things of where I, you know, do self-pity and self-despair and it's that adrenaline, I guess. And it's, um, it's adrenaline and it's, it's a weird place to put myself at, but, and I would do that constantly in the very beginning, but it's because it leads me to come down to my knees and, and beg Jesus Christ to help me or stuff like that. I mean, well, here's, here, here's a, uh, here's the question. So, not only does does the does the devil come in and offer temptation in times when you feel pity, he also shows up when you're feeling good about yourself. And so, what what do you what what do you answer when he comes in and he says that you've always that there that the that that jay who loves himself has always been there so what do you need god for you've always mm. existed you've always existed you've always had the ability to do that so so why do you need god why not just believe in yourself how do you answer that when the when the devil comes in and he asks you that question well, first of all, I know it's a lie because I know where the, I know where this uh, where this came from was straight from God. This you know ability to feel like I'm loved by Him and to lead me into loving myself. But yeah, I mean uh, to to feel cocky. I don't think I've ever really said. I mean, I guess in some aspects when I was first learning politics and stuff like that, before I knew to uh, really a lot, I would think about the uh, the uh, theocratic. How's what's that type of government? is theocracy and i would you know boast myself up say like oh i know the word of god god's real you know i'm gonna fight for god and i'm gonna do some, something crazy so that everybody worships god and i'm gonna force it on everybody and that's not the way to go about it either you know that but that was my growing you know me learning my uh learning government and politics but you i, I would get to that crazy part where i would basically want to be like even the pope or you know just force my rule because I supposedly know so much about God and, and my craziness. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's been in, in a lot of uh, history. You know, there are a lot of popes do that for all the wrong reasons because they want power. And, they, and you feel like, you know, you can use it by using God's name and, and all the stupid things. So I, I guess maybe even the devil is even trying to get me on that part too. But, you know, there's been a lot of people that, that will, like, like the Antichrist, you know, he's going to come and, combine religion with with state completely 
and say I rule by God's authority and not the other way around is by telling people I only follow God and it's his will I, that's that be done that you know let's glorify him so you you kind of just because some people I guess even me I you can be self you know ex, you know just think about yourself and just think oh well I'm so darn good look at me I can just roll and do everything and I'm gonna do the best but you know God is the the, the true one that knows how to govern like again like you know he knows what the, what the Israelites needed before they even knew what they wanted so I mean there's there, there, there was a growing process to me there's that's for sure but um you know there, I guess you could be kind of tempted to say you know God's will and, and you know just fill yourself and think that you know you can have better governance over over God's people really good answers really really good okay now let's let's go on here and i'm going to read this next part the devil is in the tempting business his number one target is christians since he already has the unsaved of the world in his grasp all christians must recognize that no matter how young or ma how mature they be they may be they are always subject to being tempted by Satan. If Satan tempted Jesus, the only begotten son of God, then we must know that he will come after us also. There is nothing, however, that he demands, uh, that demands we give in to his temptation. The best way to defeat those temptations is to draw close to God by staying in his staying in and using his word against Satan, just as Jesus did in the wilderness. Avoiding temptation is always a struggle. No Christian just wakes up one day exempt from temptation. Indeed, just the opposite is true. The devil will always come back again and again to entice a Christian to do wrong. And that's, that's as Superman would say, and I say this, I, I say this all the time. I use a lot of of uh, of Superman's quotes, but but as Superman would say, it's a never-ending battle, day in and day out. The never-ending battle, the never-ending cycle, is to combat the devil every day until the end of time. You know, um, I whenever going back to the book of Job, the, the God only lets the devil do so much, and I've seen it after seeing after going over the book of Job so much because it you know helped me with my life and and a lot of it a lot of it comes from the book of Job, but I see it as like, you know, the devil is just a dog on a leash, and even though the devil tempts me every single day, it's still used to make me grow. Like like I, earlier I said at the very beginning of the show. Is that you know, I know I sin, but even when I fall, I still learn from it, and I don't see it as like I'm just gonna be perfect. But I know everything can be used still. God can still use it for His benefit, and um, you know the dog, the devil is just a dog on a leash, and he can bark all he wants, but Jesus Christ rose, rose from the dead and he took that sting. He took that pain that they took the teeth away from the devil. There's nothing really you should 
even be scared of the devil for or think that he has like some over you know magical powers that can completely make you do something just look at it as you know god preparing something for you or it's just it's kind of weird i mean it's it's a, it's a big thing to put your head around but i don't like to blame the devil for anything i don't like to put that power into his hands i don't like to say the, the devil made me do it i, I, I see I that's exactly say, oh. where where christians falter satan never makes you do anything he doesn't win if he makes you do something. He wins when he tempts you and you go and do it. You see, the devil has the power to make you do anything. The devil is perhaps the second most powerful being in all of the universe. He was God's most powerful angel, after all. Yes. Yes. And he can create, he can shape the universe just as he pleases he can speak things into existence. He can give you blessings and he can give you curses. But he doesn't win if he does, if he can't convince your mind and your heart and your will to go against God. Because you see, the thing about the devil is the one thing that he doesn't have power over is the one thing that made humans more valuable to God and angels. And that was author of authority. What does that mean? Author of authority means will, with freedom to choose. The devil doesn't have the ability to choose the outcomes of life. He can influence things any way he wants to. But the thing about God is, is he gave humanity the unique ability to command their own destiny. Angels, demons, other spirits, they have no, they have no say so. They were brought into life and given a job. And the job that they were given is a job that they're going to be playing until the end of time. Lucifer yes. was real upset with that, that human beings, they can make their own minds and do whatever they want. And they don't have to just do one thing for the rest of, for the rest of their eternity. And what made it so much worse for Lucifer was the fact that, that human beings were going to be immortal. And unlike the angels, who could only do the who could only do the one job for all of existence? Humans would be able to do whatever they wanted to, and they could live just as long as angels. And that's why he came after us so bad. And he's even more upset that even now that we have finite lifespans, still we have full control over how we use that time that we have. So he doesn't win if he just makes you do something. He wins if he convinces you that he's right. Yes. <clears throat> See, that's why we should learn not to say, you know, not to give it all to the devil. Give that power back to God. Understand that, yeah, the devil tempts us and stuff like that. But, you know, we've seen people like that that have basically in, the, in their own, you know, 
statements in their own, but uh, this mainly comes from stars and famous people that they sold their self to the devil just because they, they become his influencer into the world by showing sex, filthiness, and all these things. And yeah, and then, and, and then it comes off to play from the rest of the people by saying, by becoming envious of those famous people or even idolizing them. So, you know, he's at play for sure. And he is influencing everything. But again, God ultimately gives us the power to break away from all of those things and break away from those chains of, of sin and to just, you know, give that power back to God and say, you know what, the devil may be able to test the church and test us, but, you know, God still wants us to have our own choosing. You know, he, he doesn't want to just, you know, have robots following him like these angels. These angels will, will follow him, but he wants to see who really loves him. Who loves the things of his of, of his of his word of his uh, morality, uh, everything of that's of him. Exactly. Now let's let's go ahead and we're gonna. I want to read this part. This is this still the same. Maturity in faith and the strict adherence to the word of God are essential elements in avoiding the wiles of the devil. A Christian must always want to do the right thing and avoid the wrong thing. This is a difficult to do, and it takes maturity and uh, to accomplish this. This maturity comes from much prayer, study, and meditation in God's word. In this regard, we can take our cues from Jesus, who undoubtedly spent much time studying and meditating on the scriptures. As a child of God, you should strive not to succumb even to the weakness, and even in times of weakness. Christians are to remain faithful to God and his word every day. The importance of studying, Jay, is to have the word within your heart and your heart is your brain is where all of your consciousness lies and the thing about it is the devil is always working to get you he can be all places at all times whispering and ears and trying to make things happen and the way to combat the devil is to know what the devil will use against you and what he will use against you is to strip is the scripture what he will use against you is things that you will hear other people of influence say to you and so the best way to combat him is to know what he's going to say and be able to use that against him. So that's why it's so important to study and have the scripture on hand because you never know when the devil's going to, show, going to show up and try to use scripture against you. So you have to be prepared and ready at all times to counter him and use the sword of the spirit of truth, which is the word of God. Mm -hmm. To, to strike him down. Amen. Amen, dude. You know, 
uh, all the answers that God gave, I mean, that Jesus Christ, which is God, gave him and, and through all these temptations, these three temptations, was off in the book of Deuteronomy. So the, you know, the Israelites had all the opportunity to do so as well. But the beautiful thing is that we have the entire Bible and Jesus Christ way that he did everything, how he was righteous, how he walked up straight, how he was sinless. You know, it, Jesus Christ died for our sins and redeemed us, but he also walked a perfect life. And that's what matters the most. I mean, it, it doesn't matter the most, but it matters a lot to, greatly too, is that he worked, he walked a perfect life and we can imitate Jesus Christ. Like, you know, he's, he's the, he is the one that leads our paths. And I just, I'm just thankful for the word of God because that's what changed everything. Uh, you, you did tell me all the time, read the Bible, read more of the Bible, you know, and, and it, it does greatly help. It really does. And uh, I just want to just attest to that, that I just say amen to that because it, it's, it's true. I love to meditate on the word of God. I love to just, you know, even if when I'm playing my game or doing, you know, random stuff or working or something like that, I will just put on preaching because it just keeps me rooted in him. And I, I feel so much closer. I don't, I don't have the devil whispering because I don't, I don't give him time to, I don't, I have God's word playing all in my head all the time. And if not, I'm always just stuck on the word of God. I guess that's by meditating, not, not intentionally, but just from always being around it, it's just so much easier to hold on to it. I can't be tricked by the devil. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully he doesn't do too crazy stuff. But I mean, I have I have more trust in God's word, and I have more faith in God's word than than my fear for what He can do or lie to me about. Absolutely, one hundred percent good, good to hear because it, I mean it, it is so important. It's not because you need to know everything. Never, it's never because you need to know everything. As I said, as I said before on my show, and I don't know if I said it on the Sunday show or not, but I, I started I started taking this from the late great Charles Crawhammer, but I added my own twist to it. And, I, and it was that pursue everything uh, that you do not know. Or 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 what how I wonder how did I how did I phrase it? The way the, the way that I phrased it was that. You need to be able to know something about everything. Not so you know everything, but so if some situation should ever come where you might find yourself in a situation where you need to know something, it's there in the back of your mind. All you got to do is fish for it. You know, Biz, you know, in business, 95% of business deals have nothing to do with money, have nothing to do with the numbers, and everything to do with what you talk about in the bathroom. Because the majority of deals happen in the bathroom or on the golf club, on the, on the golf course. And it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with the conversation that you're having. So I don't know anything about NASCAR. I don't know anything about about uh, about guns other than that you shoot them. But you may 
be wanting to do a deal. And just the fact that I know enough about guns to have an interesting conversation about guns with you is enough to build up uh, enough rapport that you might feel comfortable investing or becoming a client uh, in the company. And it's the same thing when it comes to using our Bible. It's not so much that we need to know everything that's up in there. We do. But it's the simple fact that if an atheist comes along or somebody who's teetering on the edge of belief and disbelief comes along and asks you a question and they're giving you information that they've been told and it's incomplete. Well, you know, well, you have the complete version and you can give that to them and you can clarify. That's the importance of having it. That's the importance of knowing uh, everything that you don't know. Be ignorant of nothing. Pursue all which you do not know. That, that's, that was my saying. You know, and um, when God does call people to his, to him, we can be used by God. But then again, there's people that don't want anything to do with God, know enough about God, despise God, and will not do that business deal with you. And that's a good thing that you be transparent with them, that you show them your true colors, because you don't want to be in these business deals with these people. You don't want to be, you know, having somebody like, as your friend so close and then all of a sudden they find out that you have faith in christ and then then they become like this different person and now they're gone so deep into uh about your life and everything like that and it can be dangerous and you know that's why every single time i meet somebody i have to talk about god no matter what i don't i don't know what god does to me but it's, it's like impossible for me to talk about anything else and i've seen in this last semester that it was because I always let, uh, started off with these things. I could trust these people right off the back. And then they, they can see something, you know, that light of God in me. They can see that, you know, I want to invest something in this man. Because maybe, you know, I, I was teetering on it. And I, and I enjoy what he said. I enjoy God calling me. And this man is going to help me too. I mean, and, and once we get in a, in a, in a, little, in a little basis... We can now move on to the next level and actually doing what we need to do, like studying, uh, being responsible, building each other up and, and in every aspect of our lives. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. It's all about building the next step in your life, the next step in somebody else's life. You see, Here's the great thing about, about producing fruit. You want that fruit to get carried off in the wind because it can't grow in the shade. You see, the reason why trees are so tall in the rainforest and you have very few trees at the ground level is because the canopy is so large and the, and the leaves are so big and spread out that the, the, 
the plants on the ground don't get to have enough sunlight to grow. So the trees and the rainforest have developed uh, by competing against one another to see who can grow the tallest to get the closest to the sun so that they can grow. So if you want somebody to grow, you can't uh, have them in your shadow. And what I mean by that in this, in this respect is, is that you can't do the thinking for them all the time. That's why it's important to instill the word of God in your children and in their hearts so that they have it when they need it. Because, you know, like the prodigal son, they're going to go out there, they're going to do their own thing. They're going to get lost. And the one thing that they will always be able to turn back to is what you taught them. And if you taught them correctly, if you taught them the word of God, it will always be in their heart and it will always bring them back where they need to go. And even if you don't hit all the areas of the word of God, they will still be inclined to want to keep on on their own studies and God will reveal stuff to them that they need to hear. The word is a living word of God and they can always come back and help me grow too. This is a beautiful thing about it. You know, that's how Paul was with the, one of the churches. He was writing to the churches and the churches had, you know, uh, taught him something too. And that's the beautiful thing about it. So I like, the, I like the tree analogy, you know, they try to grow fast, but you know, it's a good thing not to just make them feel like, you know, that you're the master or something like that. And I mean, it's pretty good. Okay, go ahead and read 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him, only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Nice. And this is, is titled Serve Only God. Jesus had the discipline not to let Satan influence, uh, influence his faithfulness and his service to God. Even after a 40-day fast, Jesus was not going to let the devil tempt him. He was hungry, but he wasn't hungry enough to bow down to Satan. His example is a great example for us. Christians are called to maintain their faith in the world every day. This means that we cannot allow Satan to guide us into yielding to the temptations of the world. Rather, we are to be faith. Uh, we are to be strong in faith and in holiness before God and the world. All Christians need to walk on, on the straight and narrow path in this world so they can remain faithful to God. Satan's pathways are too broad and too large for a Christian to travel aimlessly. Satan's last effort to tempt Jesus may strike us as odd. Matthew tells us that he took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. On one level, this was ridiculous. Jesus, the Son of God, was destined to sit enthroned at the right hand of the Father. But Satan also understood how Jesus, how the Jews understood the coming Messiah. 
they were looking for a political military leader who, who would expel the Romans from Palestine. Jesus was under enormous pressure to conform to that expectation. Satan offered and was in a position to offer him earthly power and combined strength of all kingdoms in this world. But Jesus turned it down. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus calls us to a way of life that is more Jesus calls us to a way of life that is more than challenging, but at the same time, far more fulfilling than the pursuit of our pride, lust, and desire for power. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go uh, in there and thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. A few there be that find it. It is one thing to act holy in church, but it's another thing to be holy on Friday and Saturday night in the world. There must be true love and true worship towards God in order to maintain one's allegiance to Jesus Christ. Every Christian must commit, uh, every Christian must worship God in spirit and in truth every day because Jesus said, God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The first Adam set a very bad example when it came to how child of God should resist the temptations of the devil. But the second Adam gave all Christians a perfect example of how a child of God is to glorify God in times of temptation. So here is what I want to show you. See this? This was given to me some oh many, many years ago. As I tell you, I as I told you earlier in this show that I don't have a lot of things. I just don't throw anything away. And this I got as a gift many years ago. There's a book that goes with it and some little cards. It's another devotional thing. But it's got little cards that go with it. And right here in this stone, it's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And what we were just talking about in this uh, particular lesson is there's a broad path and a narrow path. In life, you are given two choices. You are given the straight and narrow path, and you're given the broad and easy path. Oftentimes, where people make the biggest mistake is they take the broad and easy path because they can see the finish line 
faster. Little do they know that when they walk down this road, there's pitfalls, road slides, logs in the middle of the road, wild animals. There's so many obstacles on this broad road that they can't get around. The narrow road, while you can't see the finishing line and it looks harder, oftentimes it is the safest path that you can take. What's the benefit of taking a narrow path? Well, if you are a hunter, which I'm not, but I listen to a lot. If you're a hunter, you know that a narrow path is the path that you'll be able to find game trails. You'll be able to find where the, where the deer are going. You know, if you want to know why? If you want to be able to, to, to figure out where where uh, the, the prey is, it's the path of least resistance. That's the broad path. If you want to figure out where the sick and dying are, it's the narrow path. The narrow path is the path that's often not taken because it's the safest route. Most of the time, they're going to go to path of least resistance all the time because that's where that's where you can have safety in numbers. It's larger. It's easier for them to get through. But when they're sick and they're dying, when they're wounded, when they're trying to get away from, from a predator, they're taking the straight and narrow path because only one can fit in at a time in the straight and narrow path. And it's the same thing in, in, in just about every avenue of, uh, of life. You can take the easy path, but what you'll wind up finding out is that when you take when you're taking an easy path, you're you have to learn a lot more things. There's a lot more comp, uh, complexities involved in it, and the reason why there's so many more complexities is is you're on a broad path. It's a huge road. That means there's a lot of opportunity for other stuff to be there than if you were just going down a path meant for one person. I don't know if that's a good example or not, but that's that's how I, that's how I look at it when I'm looking at uh, at this parable in the story is I can give you the world on one side or I can give you eternal happiness, eternal peace with God on the other side. One of them is easy to obtain. It's easy to give you worldly power, worldly knowledge, worldly wealth. It's hard to give you eternal peace, eternal happiness, eternal salvation. But what I don't tell you is that in the long haul, it's easier to take this eternal peace than it is to have world power because eternal peace the roadmap is already there all you gotta do is follow it serve thy god and follow his commands and you have eternal peace there are no more rules for world power now i gotta teach you about politics i gotta teach you about finance 
I got to teach you about war, war mechanics. I got to teach you about diplomacy. I teach you about so much crap. And there's still no guarantee that you'll even grasp any of it. Because it's always changing. Yes. That's, you finished it off pretty nicely, though. You finished it off pretty nicely. Because, you know, everybody thinks just because you have uh, a lot of power here, you're going to get something out of it. But you don't, you know. It, all it does is make it harder for you to want to go to God and what he has to offer because everything else looks so much better. Exactly. And when we're, when we're talking about this serving, uh, serving only God, you see, Satan has dominion over this earth. This is his prison. People, people get it mistaken. They think that he's in hell. But Satan was never cast into hell. He won't be cast into hell until after the apocalypse. And Raphael will be the one to send him down. You know, he's going to fight against, he's going to fight against uh, Michael and he's going to lose. But Raphael is the one that's going to kick them all down to the lake of fire. And yeah, I mean, the... go ahead. And, and the book of Job tells us that the world is Satan's. He walks it every day to and fro and there within all of it. And he walks the earth looking for people to tempt. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy all of your dreams and all of your chances at obtaining salvation. That's his only mission. Exactly. Especially the biggest lie is the lie that God is real or that God loves you that he wants you to come to salvation in him. You know, and you can tell exactly by this because the devil says, bow, uh, bow down to me and I will make, I will give you all the power. You know, there's so many people here, like movie stars and people, they do end up bowing down to him and they end up getting the whole thing. But what do they lose at the end of it? They lose their salvation. They lose, you know, everything that will you know, they just numb their heart with all the nasty stuff of this world. Uh, what is it? That... Business people, even, even business people, they'll get so rich with and be stepping on people, and then they'll love everything that they've acquired in this world. They won't want to leave it behind. It's very. What is it that? What is it that Solomon says? He says, "What is it to profit a man? To what is it to profit a man and gain the whole world but lose his soul?" Exactly. Exactly. You can get you can get everything in the world and still be unhappy. It's because all vain. All of it's vain, vain. Exactly. Like chasing the wind. You're never gonna have enough because it doesn't have that feeling. It doesn't give you that peace, that love, that that security of everlasting life that you that would that is really what's needed to fill your heart and your passions and your compassion if you follow god exactly and you love it's him just... he will give and he will give you the desires of your heart because you don't understand what you want you know nobody does we're it's, it's very you know it's you know the, we're, we're very finite in our own belief i mean in our own worldly selves that we think all these things will make us happy i mean i've, I've fallen into it hardcore i mean i thought i could you know back in the day just drug it up drug it up drink it up 
it, it just leads to a very bad, nasty place. Even though it looks like, oh, I could see it, like, oh, we're gonna have a good time. But you know what I see is just deceitful, deceit, uh, deceitfulness, craziness, and people will lose their entire lives trying to chase this. They will. Yes. I mean, there's there's so many famous people that always say this all the time, especially if you watch GoCast on fa- uh, Facebook. I mean, this is like the constant theme that none of it really matters. I mean, they throw away their whole life for nothing. They lose their families. They lose everything for these. Fakes. Yes, it's it's uh it's like the monkey. Who can who continues to grab at the moon? No matter how he, no matter how much he stretches out his hands, he will never reach the moon. And it's these it's these people. They are, they get so rich and so wealthy, but they don't have peace. They don't have happiness, and they continue to they continue to search for it. It's the moon to them, and they can never reach it. Because they're reaching in all the wrong places. The monkey could reach the moon. Absolutely. If the monkey would but would but reach into the water when the moon reflects off of it. <laughs> the monkey could definitely reach the moon if he did it that way. Or if he had a rocket. But what they wind up doing is they wind up climbing to the top of a really tall mountain and reaching from up there and they still can't grab the moon. They try to play some perception tricks and they still can't touch the moon. And that's this. That's it. They can't get there. They can't obtain peace. They can't obtain happiness because they are serving the wrong God. They've made themselves into God. They've made their wealth into God. They've made uh, the world into God. And they can't uh, get peace and happiness out of that. It, it and, can't and give it to you. And when, and when they've been just so disillusioned to actually think that they have reached it and they have grabbed it, just like the humans do to trap them up, you know, they put some item inside of a hole. And then they grab, they go in, they go in the hole, and they grab that object. Now they can't even get free because they don't want to let go of it. They've been so disillusioned and tricked by man, which is in this instance a devil, to us and tricking us and thinking that we actually got something. And and it's just it's just a trap, or it's just a never-ending cycle of trying to reach for nothing that's really there. You know, it's just better. It's just good to love God. Um, God is just beautiful to be honest that hope okay i'm gonna stop sharing as we're done with that and we're back to the boardroom here in the office (laughs) uh here's the here's the question what are some steps that we can ensure that we can resist the temptations of the devil successfully. Hmm. I would say, um, don't be disillusioned. I mean, I mean, like we've been saying, don't be disillusioned to the things of this world. Don't think that's going to be giving you anything. I mean, we, we, that's what we're just saying right now. So I would say. Don't be tricked by the devil. 
and how you and I guess how you go about that is know what you truly want and what you truly want is everlasting life nobody wants to die and that's ultimately and the end of it what's really at the heart of man is that they don't want to die and who and who who offers everlasting life God who who offers things that think that will make us happy like things of this world just I guess set what do you honestly honestly want ask yourself that and what you, I, what in my heart what I honestly want is not the things of this world even though I pursue them but it's the things that I can't get and that's everlasting life and that's reunion with the ones I love absolutely I guess for me I would have to say a study you have to study if you want to be prepared against the enemy, then you need to be willing to do the work that comes from that. You know, I wrote a piece uh, some some time ago. This was oh many many years ago. I wonder if I I wonder if I even still have a copy of it because I wrote it so long ago. I wrote it uh, and typed it up on my old computer. Uh, it's up there old Windows XP, a, a 98 Dell, it's very old computer, and it still has a 3D pinball on it. That's how old it is. Oh, man. Oh, man. The best computer game there ever was, 3D pinball, by the way. But um, I wrote a piece, it was called The Resolve of God, and it was a... 15 page long, about 3,000 words, and it had uh, one particular piece in there that was interesting. As a matter of fact, I think I have it on my website. And um, let me let me let me open up my website here, and I'll I will share with you it. I think I called it the Refuge of God. Let me go here to ministry inc and christian of god that is amazing stuff out there god is our here we go here we go it's so my 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 piece is called the resolve of god it's and and there are uh six different pieces in it in the table of contents and that is the love of god the gift of God, the promise of God, the refuge of God, the fear of God, and the salvation of God. So we're going to look at the refuge of God. Let me scroll down here to the refuge of God. And this, the refuge of God. Uh, well, see, even, even the other points as you know, the salvation, the, the life. So this is the this is the scripture that I that I that I picked for refuge of God. And that scripture comes from uh let me let me see where is it? Uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse ten through eighteen. And this is important. Uh, I, I'm going to read these scriptures because not a lot of people know. I mean, we, we hear this all the time, 
but not a lot of people have actually read it for themselves. And that's the reason why I why I read it for themselves. See, I wrote this, I wrote this years ago. When did when did I post this? This was uh written by me. Um and posted by me in November of 2012. So it's a little while ago. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. This is what it says, Jay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and put it be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil uh, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and having your feet showed with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all power and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and this and supplication for all saints. And this is actually a prayer, which you can continue reading until verse 24. But this, the, this armor of God, it is everything that you need to prepare against against him so i uh, so I'll, I'll read this because it's been such a long time since i wrote it hell i can't i it's been so long since i read it so let let me read this and see and tell me what you think tell me what you think jay seek refuge in god god is here for you psalms 23 tells us just how god is a place for of refuge he is a guide to help you along the way. He is a shelter when you need a place to stay. He is a place of safekeeping. According to Psalms 31 and 2, the Lord is our rock of refuge. And then again, in 2 Samuel 22 and 3, and Psalms 144 and 2, he is our shield. Isaiah says he is refuge from the storm, while Jeremiah called him the resting place. God is all these things and more for us. So why do we not seek to, why do we not choose to seek refuge in God? He already promised us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So why do we only come to God in times of trouble? We must humble ourselves before God. You see, we alone, uh, you see, will alone is not strong enough to keep us close to God. That is why he provides hardships in our lives so that we may, so that we may humble ourselves before him. 
according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, which I just read, we must take up the whole armor of God throughout the day, not pieces of this armor. We have to put on the helmet of salvation, the living word of God that frames us in the right mind, the way that we uh, let me see. Um, these are so hard to see because I got this uh, background here. Uh, uh, let's see. The living word of God that allows us to live eternally. We must put on the breastplate of righteousness so that we may be able to live upright lives so that the word of God may be manifest in us so that you may bear witness to the Lord. Uh, oh, what? Oh, no, I skipped the part. Jeez, uh, let me let me blow this up some so I can see. Yeah, because it's so hard to see. Uh, and then I'll go back right there. And where am I? Right here. Uh, let, me, let me restart that. Uh, we have to put on the helmet of salvation, the living word of God that frames us in our right mind, the living word of God that allows us to live eternally, we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness so that we may be able to live upright lives, so that we may be able to be a living testimony to God. We must, we have to put on the girdle of truth so that the light of God might shine through us so that the word of God may be manifest in us so that you may bear witness unto the Lord and glorify his holy name. We must put on the sandals of peace so that we may be arbiters of the Lord, so that we can spread arbitration amongst the lands, so that evil cannot come against us, so that evil cannot destroy our peace. We have to take up the shield of faith that protects us from the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith protects us by faith in God and by the faith that of God and by the faith with God. The shield protects us from harm. It protects us from the lies of our enemies. It protects us from all mannerisms of evil that come to oppress our joy. It is protections against the forces of Satan, a shield upon which uh, cannot be slandered nor shattered nor splintered. And lastly, you must take up thy blade, the sword of the spirit of truth which is the word of God. Use this to cut down legions of, of Satan's fiends, smite the throats of evil and pierce the hearts of the wicked. Make anew their souls, attack the enemy's stronghold. Let them see the sword. All beings, man and beast alike, tremble before the sword of the spirit of the living God. Use this sword of the spirit to ward off all those who come against you, parry their arrows and darts, send them back to the radiance of the light of God. Use this weapon of resolution and take refuge in the full armor of God. In your, in your word, God, you said that I will walk through the shadow of the valley of death and I will fear no evil because thou art with me. The Lord is the good shepherd of his sheep he guards us from the fowls at of the night he is our shelter seek refuge in he that counsels us in our days of struggle our lives of stress 
He is our counsel when we are stressed. When we when there is no one to talk to, no one to trust, he is there. So take ye refuge in the Lord our God. Yeah. <clears throat> That sums up like nearly every single thing in the Bible that's there, that there is to offer. You know, uh, I, when I first heard something like that, when I heard the armor of God, it was out of, out of randomness, but it sums up the entire the entire Bible, you know, and it's a very good tool. And then every, and every guy's going to love it because it's the armor of God. Who doesn't want to be ready for battle? But every single part of it, from the belt of truth, the righteous the righteousness plate, uh, you know, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, gospel of peace with the shield of faith. It's every aspect of the Christian faith, and you know, even how God, how one of them says, you know, God is going to send us tribulations just so we can be humbled, but that's why we also have to be rooted in knowing what the Word of God says because. We, again, with this with this whole uh, lesson has been about is that God wills everything. Yeah, the devil tempts it, but that's just to humble us, just to make, to make us grow. So make sure you keep on that helmet of salvation, so you actually know that you know he's he's here to bring you to him in the end of it. And we just have to know the whole the whole circle the whole cir the whole circle of everything he wants us to learn. And that's why being like what you really try to emphasize is knowing the word of God. So we don't be confused or, or let the devil use just bits and parts of it without completing the entire, the entirety of it. Cause we can easily be confused um, about this. So I guess put the belt of truth in the belt of truth. And that's the word of God, <clears throat> but we have to know the whole entire thing. So, but I mean, it's, it's, it's just a really good way for people that don't know the Bible to study just to like know the overall thing is, is the armor of God. And that's what I, and, you know, that's what I use since the very beginning when I didn't know anything about the Bible, I've always used the armor of God just to have like something to understand something. And now it's a, it's a, it's a good thing about that. I, I like how uh, God put that together. And, you know, I, I, I wrote that years ago and I wrote it before I knew that my name actually translates to the divine helmet of God. So I am the helmet of salvation, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you know, when it comes down to that, you know, I can always, I mean, I'm, gonna go, I'm not going to say what my name means because, you know, <laughs> but, you know, my name is. Yeah, I, name. Your, your name means fatty. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm still happy with, I, you know, God did some crazy stuff, even by the way he gave us our names. You know, my name is Jesus. You know, people like, you know, people would call me Jesus, but I hated that. That's why I call myself Jay. Because, I mean, I just, I just, that's something about that. Or I'll make sure when I tell people my name, I say, my name is Jesus, you know. Good thing I'm Spanish, but, you know, it's, it's weird how God, you know, put these little things in us, even if it, when it comes to our names and stuff like that. He's just so intricate, man. It's, it's just so interesting how he uses every single thing, even the our background stories and uh and our and our walk of faith, and a walk in faith and it's just very interesting. I I like the whole walking. I like this whole walk. I really do like to walk uh in, in God. It's just so interesting to me. 
Well, with that, we got one more question here. Uh, wherever I put my little book at, here it is. It says, as a mature Christian, what advice can you give new Christians as to where and when Satan is most likely to tempt them? Oh, easy, fun. It's the fun. <laughs> There's so much fun things in this world. And uh, the simple pleasures of this world, it's, you know, don't, don't be disillusioned with it. Because, I mean, yeah, you just get so off with, you know, <laughs> like me right now, eating a lot. <laughs> Not really. But no, yes, man. Yes, I mean, yes, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> of course. But the ones that are dangerous, you know, I mean, all of them are dangerous, but the devil can use anything. Don't think that he can't use something because he can use any little thing, anything that leads you into obsession with something. And, and I've seen so many people just fall for a lot of things. I mean, it's crazy. God, the devil, I mean, if you don't, have real true faith in Jesus and God, you can slip off into anything, any little thing, bizarre stuff. So don't. No, I, 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 just, agree. I, just I, I agree. I agree. I think for me, and uh, my personal experience, my advice would be uh, when you sleep. Uh, because for me, the biggest area of temptation is when my mind is open, when it is at rest, the devil can come in there and he can fill my thoughts with so much. And that is the biggest, the biggest area of temptation for me is my thoughts. My thoughts are my most dangerous things. You know, fortunately, I have, I, I have a very masterful uh, life when it comes to the amount of self-control that I have. And so I, I can guide my life in pretty much every single aspect of it. But there are certain temptations that once it hits my, my brain, you know, it's, it's hard for me. And so, yeah, when, when you sleep, uh, that's, that's one of the ones that he can get you on the most. And, uh, and uh, another one, uh, if we talk about just a place, uh, most definitely college. Mm. Perhaps the most tempting places you can get that you can go to is college because all of the different influences that you have, especially if you grew up in a in a environment where your parents were heavily involved, and then you go to college and your parents are not there to be your guide yeah you're gonna have to watch out but at the same time i do encourage you to experience all there is to experience in college I'm not saying to go do drugs and do the parties but i want you to experience mm -hmm. college for what it is yeah for sure i mean dude that's that's true because I went to college and that's where I just started. I mean, I, I mean, I'm always always a crazy little sucker, so can't really say that. But you know, that's why I don't let anything come into, you know, you know, how can I say, get into my thoughts because that's true. I will be having dream if I be doing some bad stuff, 
you know, watching stuff I shouldn't be watching or, you know, I, the one I hate the most is whenever I uh, see the video, when people be posting videos of people dying, that just gets me so weird. But I mean, it affects me hardcore in my dreams. So I just don't let it come into me. I don't even, I don't even let it, I don't even watch anything. Cause I mean, it's easy. As soon as you watch it, even if you think it's harmless of just watching it, it will go into you, go into your mind and your thoughts and you, you will have that picture in your head forever. So I don't even entertain it. I don't watch stuff that I know for sure it's going to be making me think about it all the time. You know, you know, especially, you know, how easy accessible everything is on their phone, but it's just, you know, putting yourself in there just to even taste it, just to even get all oh, like, Oh, it's just one time or it's just, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. I mean, you can fall into it like no other being like nothing. That's what I'm saying. God, the devil can use anything, but it's strong. That's why you shouldn't really even play with any of it. Even as a Christian, even when you uh, do find the word of God and everything like that, you think you go back and you just, Oh, I'm strong enough. I can just play with it or whatever. Well, it's still going to affect you and affect your walk at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And so we have finished yet another lesson. And we get to uh, finish off another one. Let's see here. What do I have over here in my, in my little section of books? Um, let's see. Yeah, and what is today's day? Today is January 2nd. And my teenager's devotionary reading. Let's see what January 2nd says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do ye not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Jesus, it's hard to put the past behind me. Even with this fresh start of the new year, there are some pretty ugly things back there that, had, that are hard to forget. But I know it's impossible to move ahead without first letting go of what's behind. So, Lord, help me to let go. Open my eyes to see where you are leading me. I want to be refreshed and see the desert parts of my life filled with streams of cool water. I am so glad you want to do this with me. If anyone knew just how I feel inside, some of the bad stuff that I am hiding, they would never believe it. But you know, and I, but, but you know, and you still love me. And now you want to change me from a dusty, dry wasteland into a healthy landscape. How can I thank you? I love you. Amen. The driest desert can become the most lush garden if it is put into God's caring hands. 
Dude, that is such a perfect message for everything we've been talking about. You know, and God always, and this is just a daily for everybody, right? This is just a daily. But it, it's amazing how when we read these dailies, it's exactly what we're talking about the lesson and just always hits it. It's like God is truly speaking. And I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, that's why <laughs> that's why that's why I keep these things. I don't I don't throw them away. Uh so with that being said. Uh, go ahead and pray us out, Jay, before I start talking about some promotional stuff. Okay. Uh, first, I'll read this. Though. This is Isaiah's prayer. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. And I pray that Jesus Christ, you give me the power, the love, and the patience to grow more in you. To be more on fire for you, I, I pray, Jesus Christ, that you use me every single day and you truly do make me into this luscious garden that you're talking about. I pray that everything that you do through this show will produce fruit and show people that you are the only way that really leads to happiness and peace. In Jesus Christ's name, in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, and some promotional stuff very quickly. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, there's this YouTube show called Off the Rail. I think that's what it's called. Let me, let me pop it up here. I want to show you what I've got. Um, where is it? Here we are. This is the one. So, you know, I do a lot of uh, shows on Politically Provoked, and I do a lot of debates with people on other shows. So a lot of people see me and they hear me speaking a lot. And so this person's channel has about 10,000 subscribers and a pretty nice uh pretty nice viewer base let me take a look here um it's called the third rail with omar and let's take a look at some of his video analytics here so he's got uh like i said about a little over 7,000 subscribers and it looks like on average, he's getting a couple hundred views every every uh, every stream and hitting over a thousand in some of them. So that along with uh, with politically provoked and some of the other avenues that I have that I've entered, that brings uh, a level of I won't say publicity, but that brings a level of um, of accessibility of potential new viewers to us because I will be getting interviewed on the third rail of Omar on Saturday, the 8th of January. Um, it's going to be, uh, let's see, what, what did I say? The sub, what did we say the subject matter was going to be on? It, the subject matter... Um, 
of the interview is going to be on social matters, economic matters, immigration, minority rights, systemic racism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as we speak right now, uh, they're studying me by listening to the podcast, which is great for us because it gives us an extra view. Uh, but, you know, it, it, um, it makes things interesting because if you listen to me on the podcast, you learn a lot about what my views are, but not, not as much as, as you would think because I'm, I'm by no means an open book when it comes to my thoughts, but I'm not, but I'm not shy uh, or abrasive about what I believe. You know, if, if I believe something, I will tell you that I believe it. And I will tell you what is right from wrong. I mean, you know that more than anybody. But so this is uh, really good for us because it gives us more exposure. It, gives, it gets us out there a lot more. And I will definitely be mentioning my, my two co-hosts, Jay, for my co-host for the Sunday show, and Rhett, my co-host for the overall Story of America uh, show. But this... Is, a, is really nice because it can give us more viewership and that viewership is what we are looking for right now we need to be able to spread our message out there spread uh share and like our content as far as you can take it join us in our discord where we can have conversations and just like last week where, we, where jay had a guest heck we have two seats left in this in this uh boardroom and we can even have a few more seats if we wanted to in uh, one of our auditoriums or our Congress hall or, or wherever we wanted to go. And we can fill these seats in with, uh, with guests, with people that want to come and join us and are growing with Christ or become just another member of one of our uh, regular episodes for the Story of America. Because here's the thing, growing in Christ talking politics, talking black history, talking about whatever it is that I feel like talking about because it's my show and I can do whatever I want. All of that is the story of America because we are all connected in making this country what it is. And each of us has a story to tell. And as far as I'm concerned, America's story is the story of how God developed the nation or we have the freedom to be able to do this. So Amen. everything that we're doing here on this show, Growing Christ with Jay, uh, and people you know, might say, well, why, why, why do I do this? Well, all of this is the essence of the story of America because this is what America is about. It's about the freedom to be able to think for ourselves, do for ourselves, and believe whatever we want to believe. I may not believe in Scientology, but if Jay was a Scientologist, I would still offer him this show every Sunday. Maybe not Sundays. I probably offer to him like on like I don't know what Scientologists do or is there like a Friday for them or something I don't, I don't know but I would still offer Jay an opportunity to do this because this is for Jay's development it's for my development it's for your development everybody gains something out of this I, and that's the whole purpose of all of this 
as we're helping each other grow in relationships with ourselves, in relationships with God, and in relationships with information that we may or may not have already known. Critical thinking is important, particularly with this new wave of uh, young people that are coming up that don't know anything, and it's not completely their fault. They have horrible teachers, and their brains have been programmed by these cellular devices. Uh, You know, the, the influx of technology really has destroyed a lot of, of our, of our generation and the generation that's coming uh, after us, but we have an opportunity to mend all of these situations by encouraging people to start thinking critically and thinking for themselves. And furthermore, with this block of this show, we have an obligation and a responsibility to tell everybody about the good shepherd. And the good shepherd is Jesus Christ. And we have an obligation and a responsibility to try to save as many lives as we can by spreading the message. And he who will accept it into their own heart can have the same salvation and peace that we have been able to find in our in our God. And we offer you an invitation into the discipleship of Christ. If you would allow him into your heart, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but I highly encourage it and I highly suggest that you do because time is winding up and we don't know when it's going to end. But it's going to one day. And I like for you to be on the other side. Whenever we're up there in the sky meeting our loved ones that we haven't seen in such a long time. I'd like for you to be able to be there with us. And so for that reason, we extend this invitation that if you are ready and willing to be a servant of God that you believe in the salvation scripture of Romans 10 and 9 that says that if thou shalt believe in thy mouth the Lord Jesus and confess and can believe in thy heart the Lord Jesus and confess of your mouth that God have raised him from the dead then thou shalt be saved. But you have to understand that the path of salvation is as far from your heart as it is to the tip of your tongue. So it doesn't matter if you don't believe these things. You got to believe. And the way that you believe is that you got to show proof of your belief. And the way that you show proof is in the work that you do, the way that you act, the way that you talk, the way that you walk. The way that you live your life is the proof. Your example. And that's all we ask. And so we thank you for joining us on this, the first show of the year. Well, other than this show I did yesterday for New Year's. Uh, the, the first show of the year, our first Christmas show, not Christmas show, a Christian episode uh, of the year. Season four, 
Growing in Christ with Jay. This is actually technically it's a season two of Growing in Christ with Jay. But now we're in season four of the story of America. And we have a hell of a year. 52 episodes of, the, of Growing in Christ with Jay. That is what it should be by the end of this year. And we're going to see if this works out. If God allows us to do this. Because... You know, truth be told, Jay, I'm I'm old. I'm tired. And as my health begins to change over time, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to stop working so hard. And so we gotta hit these numbers because I want this to be my job tired of working so i want this to be i want this to pay i want this to pay so that i can pay you and i can pay rent and so in order for me to be able to do that we got to hit some numbers so i'm looking at about a two thousand percent increase in content and going to 2022 and if we can get the likes if we can get the shares, we can get the downloads going and the ad revenue flowing and maybe some new sponsorships and who knows whatever else is in, whatever else happens, the Lord willing. Um, this is the plan is to make this be the job. I mean, if, God, if it be the will of God, this is something that we can all enjoy. Being able to come to work on our own time. Being able to do what we like to do best, which is talk and bring people closer to the Lord. Amen. But we can't get there without you guys' help. We depend upon you guys to, to share and like this content and get it where it needs to go so that we can make it to that point. And so with that, I want to thank Jay for doing a good job uh, as co-hosting this show before uh, growing in Christ. Uh, you know, I see it all of the time, the, the change, the growth. In, in you, the difference in you. Um, I see the change and the growth in me. And that's, that's the other benefit of this show is a therapy. Because it changes the way we interact with people on a day-to-day basis. I, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, Jay Jay's going to think that I'm stalking him and watching him when he goes to school. But I can tell that when you go to school, you to college. I can't I won't say school because people are going to make me think that you're like ten. But mm-hmm. uh, you, you well, you act like you're ten half the time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell that when you're going to, when you're going to class, it's a new Jay. Jay's not talking about the same things he was before. Jay's not talking the same way that he has been before. He's more coherent in his thoughts. He's explaining more. 
He's a lot more calm, and people are listening a lot more than they did before. That's some true stuff, man. I, I'm i telling you, man. I'm happy because I was just crazy. <laughs> I was crazy, man. I was just on the on the edge, you know. But I have been growing, and, that's, uh, and I've known from the very beginning that it was going to be like that. Something God told me from the very beginning that it's because the way they're going to see me grow and the way that he's changing me is the entire reason why I went through so much. It was all part of the plan. It always was, and, it, and I've always known it. Uh, that's why I think he even, you know, really did put me through some obstacles in the first five years that I've been doing this. But then, you know, thank God again, too, that I wasn't, you know, broadcasting the crazy part because, man, oh, man. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you I got more viewers like that, but all for the wrong reasons. You know, they just wanted to view because, I mean, they're just like, oh, look at this crazy guy. He's a very entertaining. He's, he's just like a little loser. I mean, he's, a, he's just like a little crazy guy just going crazy. And that's pretty fun for a lot of people. But now it's, it's for the real reason. It's for, you know, I mean, still, I, I, I don't, I, I like both sides to it. But again, it's a good thing I didn't, you know, post other stuff because I did gain a lot of enemies like that. But they became my friends. So again, you know, God used every single part of it. Um, he, he's, he's, he's made me grow closer to the, even the ones that we don't agree on nothing. You know, my biggest adversary was a guy named Tony, but man, I'm telling you, I like the guy a lot. You know, I, I've learned to like people that don't agree with me and I've learned to just, you know, grow in love, man. I just, I just like what, I like what God is doing to me, doing to me, doing in me. And I, I know he's been saying this for a long time. Absolutely. Also, uh, Tuesday night, uh, January the 4th, I will be uh, in another debate on black on black crime. So it will be a fun one. Jay has heard me debate this one quite often. So uh, Jay, Jay knows how I am when it comes to those. So that one uh, will be on both politically provoked. I will be a guest there. Uh, I believe it's going to be at uh, nine o'clock, uh, Eastern standard time. So that's about eight o'clock, uh, central standard time. So eight o'clock my time. And so it's going to be pretty fun. It's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty heated. It can get heated and it is a black versus black debate. So I'm not having to debate a white guy, even if I was debating the white guy, it still wouldn't matter, but debating the black guy is going to be even more fun. Um, because, because they're on the opposite side of the spectrum than I am. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And with that, I, I will see you guys in the next episode that we post. Um, you know, Jay, you got to come join us on the regular parts of the show. Eventually. I'm also going to, um, go ahead and, uh, and purchase a, um, a plan for uh, Zoom because I want to be able to keep using Zoom to do most of our broadcasts because it allows me to have video and audio so that I can just break up the parts and put them onto the podcast. But I can only record an indefinite period of time when it's only two people. And if 
if it's more than two people, what happened is, is after, uh, after 40 minutes, it'll kick everybody out and then we'll have to rejoin. And that's perfectly fine because that can help me, you know, make content where I can, uh, uh, put in advertisements and ad blocks, but for a show, it's hard to do that because you're having people uh, losing the link and not logging back in like they're supposed to. And they think that it might be over. And so eventually I will purchase a, uh, a plan for zoom. And that way we'll be able to just record, uh, with as many people in the room as, as possible. But, you know, that's going to be as we continue to do more of these. And if, if uh if Rhett starts to join us more then i'll have to make sure that i do that because it'll be three of us on a consistent basis so that that also depends upon the viewership as well i'm not going to put money into it if we're not getting the views that i think we need to be getting and so we have to keep hitting these numbers and that's the important part but the good news is, is that our numbers are up and as I said, I'm expecting numbers to go up even more now that we're uh, starting to pick up some some uh, some eyesight from some of these other channels. And I promote us in their pages. Rhett has been doing a great job on social media, sharing uh, our content around through different podcast things and groups on Facebook and other social medias. So you know, hell, you need to be doing that too, but you can't stop getting banned off social media to do it because heck, you, hell, you spend like, like what, 85% of your day sharing crap on social media? Right. <laughs> yeah, I do, man. I mean, I really do. It's because there's so much news. There's always happening news and I, and I want to, you know, make sure that People know the other side because I mean, it's they're they are winning. The left is winning because they're more in your face and they're relentless. You know, the people that want to gain control are gonna do everything and more. And you know, we can't just stay idly by. Well, hold those hold those just... thoughts for uh for next time. We're we're getting to we're getting close to four to twelve o'clock, and we're at uh two. Uh, 2.54 hours so it's time to go ahead and close this down thank you all for joining us and we will see you the next time god bless